folks to Jet Centra, the Winnipeg Free Press podcast, which is all about the Jets, other sports, and etc. I'm your host, sports editor Steve Lyons, and as usual, I'm joined by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, it's episode 39, and um, today we'll be talking about the lack of news, really, from the Jets and the NHL. Uh, the hand ringing from sports journalists the last week over their heroes, Bobby Orr and Jack Nicholas, publicly supporting Donald Trump. The current state of sports in Winnipeg during the cold red shutdown, and well, I guess uh, the U.S. election that is uh, still <laughs> ongoing as we record this episode on Wednesday, November the 4th. Is that the date today, the 4th? It, it is the date. I know that because it's my brother's birthday. Happy happy birthday, brother. Um, you know, I wonder, speaking of the election, Steve, we might be doing podcast episodes 40, 41, 42, 43 even, before, they're, before they declare an actual winner, given the, the way that this is going. So uh, everything is very tentative, which I guess a lot of the experts thought was probably going to be the case. Yes. Um, okay, on to the first period, uh, which is uh, generally when we talk about the Jets. There's not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to the Jets, Mike. Um, it's been pretty quiet in the Jets nation um, over the recent weeks, um, basically since the Patrick Liney trade rumors um, that circulated a few weeks ago, which we talked about a lot and, uh, and you wrote about. Um, since then, they've made a couple of signing uh uh, I always get this guy's name wrong. Jansen Harkins, is that how you say it? And, that um, is, yes. Uh, which is he's a third or fourth line forward, um, aka a Manitoba boost player. Um, Sammy Nico, a seven or eight or nine defenseman, aka Manitoba boost player. <laughs> and, um, we still have no idea when the NHL season may start or when Jets camp may start. Uh, the Jets haven't signed anybody else other than a couple of, like I said, Harkins and Nico. Um, what are you hearing? Have, are you hearing anything, Mike, about when the season might start? Well, I know that the the NHLPA now has a committee of players. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent certain if there is any Winnipeg Jets on it. Mark Shifley was on that committee uh, last summer, of course, the return to play committee. And then Andrew Kopp was part of the uh, collective bargaining agreement committee. The Jets kind of had their hands um, in both pots, if you will, and, and played, you know, roles in, in helping to get all that back on track. So they have formed a committee which was set to have a, a virtual meeting. I don't know if they're doing them by, by phone or by Zoom uh, this week. And I guess we're midweek right now. I, I don't believe that meetings happen, maybe coming up today or in the next couple of days. So I think what's going to occur, Steve, is once the players um, and and the league's sort of, uh, you know, ownership and, and decision makers, once they come together for that initial chat, I think then there's going to be a real clear picture emerge and, and probably a timeline. We're seeing the NBA just in the last couple of days kind of start to shape their timeline of a of a, a, a return right just before Christmas. We know the NHL likes to do things very similar to the NBA. They're like the big brother, right? They look up to them. 
And so, while I don't think the NHL is coming back before Christmas, uh, I do think that February is probably too long to wait. And and I still do think we're going to see something probably in the mid-January range. My best guess, just based on what I've heard, is they'll let the players have like Christmas and that with their families. And we could see a situation where, you know, right after the holidays end, that's when training camps would start. So say the beginning of January, and then maybe by mid-January is when the season would begin, uh, which again, we're still expecting it to be a review season, probably 48, 56 games, something in that neighborhood. A heavy emphasis on divisional play, uh, no bubble, no hub cities per se. I mean, the, the hope would be that they can still do the regular travel. They're going to really reduce the amount of travel, though, because you would go to a city and probably play the same team a couple times. And maybe markets right off the hop in the United States of America that will allow at least some fans in um in small gatherings, at least. And for the NHL, at least some revenue would be better than none, I guess. Um, you know, you're saying no hub, no bubble. Is there not going to, I mean, it seems to me that there's going to be, have to be some sort of, um, guidelines or restrictions on, yeah, uh, behavior, on player, movements, all that, sure. player movement, player behavior, you know, like much like they had in baseball, um, it seems to me, and much like they are doing in the NFL currently, um, you know, even aside from whether there's fans in the stands or not, I don't know that you're going to be able to have players um, just moving about freely within communities, uh, given the high COVID numbers, not just in America, but in Canada now, too, um, and in Winnipeg in particular. Um, so, um it's no longer just our uh, cousins to the south that are having trouble with public numbers, by the way. Um, no, well, as we start this podcast today, Steve, here in Winnipeg, they just released the daily numbers. And today, November 4th, is our second worst day in Winnipeg uh, for COVID numbers. So, well, um, yeah. Well, the worst just happened a few days ago, yeah. Uh, 374 new cases today, so that's uh, that's not good at all. Uh, of course, we're early in this code red, and the hope is that that will bring them down. Interesting, you mentioned Sammy Niku, Steve. Here's a little trivia for you and for our listeners. There are two Winnipeg Jets currently living in Winnipeg and skating in Winnipeg right now. Uh, who are they? Well, you may know the answer. Well, Blake Wheeler and Sammy Nico. I hope that they're not skating. They shouldn't be skating. They are. Uh, they apparently are. Uh, they've had workouts with just the two of them. Uh, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what rink. I assume they're down at the Iceplex. That they've had some ice. Um, now, sorry, uh, that goes back to before the code red. They're not okay. skating this week. Thanks I should make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd have a that'd be a bombshell if they were uh, somehow ducking yeah. under that. No, they were skating. Can you please finish your vacation soon and write that story for us? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that that is interesting, isn't it? I mean, Blake Wheeler is the captain of the team, and we know Blake Wheeler. He's been pretty vocal, actually, about Winnipeg, defending Winnipeg, uh, encouraging Manitobans 
wear a mask. I know you wrote about that in a in a playbook not too long ago. Just how Wheeler's he's kind of showing some leadership, I guess, off the ice in that sense, Steve. And he's very vocal. But interesting, some people may not have guessed that the other guy to still be here in town is a young Finnish player of all people and one who's not even a full-time member of the Jets in Sammy Niku. And I think a big part of that, Steve, as some may know, Sammy Niku became a dad uh, last season. And uh, his partner and the baby, of course, are here in the city. So I think that has kept him here uh, and apparently he really likes it uh, here in Winnipeg. Of course, with all the Patrick Lange trade talk, I'm not sure Sammy Niku is the Finn that everybody really, really wants to love Winnipeg and stay here forever. I'm sure people would prefer that Patrick Lange felt that way. I don't know that Lange feels any way other. I still think Patrick Lange likes the city of Winnipeg, uh, but he's back in Finland. Sammy Niku is not. <laughs> Okay, folks, we're back for the second period of our podcast. I was just saying during the break to uh, Mike that I had to move. I was getting blinded by the sun coming in my window here at the office. It's going to be 17 degrees here today, Mike McIntyre. It's crazy, man. It's like, um, I wish they hadn't gone to daylight saving time so soon. I was tempted to ride my bike to work uh, yesterday and today, but I'm a little concerned leaving here at 5.30 or 6 o'clock because it's dark at 5.30 now. Uh, that was kind of weird leaving the office yesterday and it's such a beautiful day and it was dark. So, but um, anyways, um, I shouldn't be complaining about the weather. So, so speaking of complaining, um, nice segue, Steve. Um, last week, Mike, um, uh, Bobby Orr and um, prior to him, Jack Nicholas and some other athletes, uh, Brett Favre, uh, these are the notable ones, but most notably, for Canada here, Bobby Orr took out an ad in a newspaper in New Hampshire, um, a full-page ad, um, throwing his hat in the ring and his support behind um, President uh, Donald Trump. And um, the reaction to that, um, I was, I'm not surprised that people thought that, you know, he's, they were mad at him for his, his uh, support of Trump. I mean, if you support Trump, People are going to get mad at you, it seems, um, <laughs> despite the 70 million people who voted for him so far. Right. Um, but um, anywho, um, uh, so, but what did surprise me most, and, and a lot of sports journalists wrote columns, and, and I'm, not, I'm talking, you know, the Illuminati of sports journalists, really, in this, really, your Damian Coxes and your... Um, your Stu Cowens and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Catholic Kelly wrote a column. And, um, but Steve anyways, Simmons. A lot, yeah, a lot, and all of them were saying that the theme was similar, and the same with all of the tweets that I saw on tw- Twitter, was that they were so disappointed in their heroes and what their, their heroes had led them down with this type of, with this support of Trump. And now, now I, I listen. These sports guys weighed in, and they made a, a they they supported Trump. So sports journalists, I'm not begrudging sports journalists the right to then maybe counter what these sports guys are doing or say something about what these ex athletes are doing or whatever. But I was really like appalled, frankly, at the hero worshiping, the idolatry of of these 
professional journalists uh, towards heroes, uh, Bobby Orr, Jack Nicholas. It just, you know, you got to separate that, Mike. I mean, I was a fan of Bobby Orr as a child. I was a huge Boston Bruins fan. My favorite player was Ken Hodge, but I, I certainly loved Bobby Orr. But, you know, frankly, what he, his support of a politician now does not diminish my childhood memory, not, like not one iota. And secondly, as a professional journalist, I really need to put those emotions aside. You know, maybe criticize the guy for his principles, but man, writing it like you're jilted, you know, you're <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think the idea of, of uh, athletes as uh, role models or role heroes models. or icons, yeah. like to me, um, you should be looking elsewhere for inspiration and we shouldn't have to look very far these days. We're surrounded by inspiring stories of, you know, frontline workers, people who are really putting it on on the line, right? Heroes. Yeah. Like those are real heroes and they're anonymous. Most of them. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, who cares who Bobby Orr should win the U.S. election, <laughs> like, and is he is he moving the needle? Did he did anybody vote for Trump that wasn't going to because they saw Bobby Orr supports him? Like, would, would that sway your vote? And if it is, my goodness, like, grow a spine and look in the mirror if it's all it takes to. Like, I've never gone to a voting booth and thought to myself. You know, as I look at the ballot in front of me, who does Patrick Liney think should win? <laughs> like, or, you know, who does Dale Howardchuck, who was somebody when I was a kid, like, I, I love Dale Howardchuck. He was, you know, as a, as a wide-eyed kid at, at sporting events, he's a bigger-than-life celebrity, right? But as I grew older, I respected the hell out of Dale Howard Chuck. I, I, I thought he was a great human being and I, I loved being able to interview him, but I never thought I should pick his brain about politics and then apply that to my own thinking. Like, I don't know who those people are that would do that. Yeah, the, it, 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 it's also the fawning, like it's the, it's the, it's the over the top adoration of these athletes by, Listen, fans, okay, I get it, sort of. You know what I mean? Right. But but by journalists, by sports journalists, I just can't I just I've seen it my way to I've been in the sports journalism business a couple of days now. And one of the things that I really don't like is a and I'll use the term the reflected glory that sports journalists use uh, when they're covering uh, events, for example. Right. Like they think that they're part of it like they are i get it but you're not sort of like and the national hockey league has a lot of these folks and they they wear the three thousand dollar suits because the because the athletes wear the three thousand dollar suits and then they they and they stand beside the other three thousand dollar suit and and then they think that they're they and they reflect the glory of that right i mean it's it's, they're not. You're a journalist, man. Like you're supposed to be unbiased, and you know, and, and just you know, objective, right? You know what I mean? And like my boss, is, 
my boss thinks I'm a good sports editor because I don't cheer for anybody and I don't really care who wins, right? You know right. I mean? right. And that be a good journalist, I think. You know what I mean? And so, wow. So this is a, this is a fascinating tie into something. I don't know if you saw this, Steve. Kevin McGran is a reporter, is a sports reporter with the Toronto um, uh, Star. Uh, he covers covers the Leafs. He is getting vilified, and I would say rightfully so, for this tweet that he sent out last night. And you talk of this. This is the definition of what you just described. This is what Kevin McGrand tweeted: Elections are the one rare night when news desks and reporters and news reporters act like sports desks, sports reporters brackets every night and file stories late. It's so cute watching them congratulate themselves that they, quote, made deadline under the extreme pressure of not knowing the outcome. Now, there are political reporters at the Toronto Star, like his own colleagues are calling him out for that. Because you talk about an inflated, inflated sense of importance. First of all, elections are things that really matter. Like, that's... that's and I, I don't think comparing a sport to a real life event and as equally important and so you're a sports reporter who's written a story when a game goes to double overtime like congratulations and to equate that with being a news reporter working under intense pressure i just find that sort of thing like stupid that he would even say that back for the third period of our Jet Central podcast, Mike. Um, so the current, let's switch this back to some sports now again. Um, <laughs> uh, the current, which is tough because the current state of sports in Winnipeg is like uh, uh, quiet. Um, yes. You know, code red here and the, 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 which has shut down minor hockey and um, shut down, you know, all recreational sports, all competitive sports really, except for the Manitoba Junior Hockey League has some games going on maybe this weekend um, in some rural areas. Um, man, yeah, it's quiet out there, Mike. And um, <laughs> you did a story for us in, in last weekend's uh, paper about the army of volunteers that that have been working so hard to try to have a uh, hockey season, a sports season for mostly for their kids, you know, this year. And, and they had just kind of got going and things were just starting to get going. <laughs> and um, and then um, and then they were shut down, um, like, Friday. And, well, I mean, officially Monday, but really everybody shut down uh, Friday. You're involved, you know, as a, as a hockey parent. How do you feel about this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think to me it's it's almost more optics at this point than than actual risk. And I and yes, there have been some cases now. We saw this week there's a case, a documented case up in OCN with uh, oh, wow. uh, in the in, in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League uh, a COVID case. But I had not seen until that one any examples being offered to say that there's you know, hockey itself, and we don't even know that OPN case where they got it from. Uh, I, I don't know that it came in a hockey rink. It could have just been in the community and, and a player. But I think the optics of continuing to just play these sports, which involve gatherings of 
much bigger than what public health officials are saying should be happening right now. Um, it, it, it was a no-brainer. They had to pull the plug on it. I hope it's temporary because, you know, I, I certainly, in doing that piece last week, I talked to many, many volunteers and got a sense of, you know, what, what the last couple months have been like for them. And I hate to think that all of that effort will now go for naught if the whole season just gets, you know, swooped away. But you don't, like, you don't think that there's a, there's a risk to uh, these uh, uh, activities going on? Um, you don't think that there's a risk? I saw a doctor say, a lot of the doctors that were speaking out here in Manitoba, that don't go to the gym just because you can. Now, I know that the gyms are still open, and there's they can have 25%. And um, do you not think that there's potential for spread, community spread, in playing sports and or going to gyms? I think now that the numbers swelled to the point that they have, which I don't think is because of organized sports, and I'm, I'm excluding beer league from this, but I think that the, the, the protocols in place in organized sports like hockey were such that they were doing a pretty good job of mitigating risk. But that being said, you're only at the rink for a small percentage of time and with so much COVID in the community right now, Steve, um, I, I don't think it's worth the risk now to bring people together who have been, I mean, who knows where they've been and what contacts they've had and what exposure right. they've had. So I do, I, I, I certainly endorse the decision to shut uh, sports down in the city. And, you know, I applaud that there are leagues, Steve, like, for example, the league my son plays in, which is called the Capital Region Junior Hockey League. There's five teams. Winnip North Winnipeg is the only Winnipeg team. The others are Arburg, Lundar, St. Malo, and Selker. The league would have been well within its rights to continue to operate just out the Winnipeg team for the next couple weeks because the other four teams are outside the Winnipeg uh, region, but they've actually decided we're just in the interest of kind of safety, we're going to shut everything down for at least two weeks. So none of the games are being played. I know in the MJHL, um, lesser in the MMJ because there's only a couple teams out of town, the vast majority are here in Winnipeg. Um, in the MJHL, of course, they are going to, it looks like they're still going to try to carry on with games involving teams based out of the city, although if we start to see some COVID numbers that may change as well. But yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's that balance, right, Steve? And one of the things I heard so much last week is people involved in minor sports talk about the benefits of it, the mental health benefits of it. And, you know, kids have had a lot of things taken away from them. If you're going to school, that's not like it used to be. They can't necessarily see their the same circle of friends or socialize in the way they did. And so now it's another thing. And I get that there's that balance. You worry about, you know, how much how much is this costing, really? Um, but I think the two-week shutdown, and I expect, Steve, it's going to be longer than two weeks. Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, I, I'm more on the, on in the camp that I think that we should take every single precaution and that uh, I understand that people are being affected emotionally, mentally, physically. I think that people need to, in my opinion, they need to adjust to the circumstances and find other things to do, 
whatever that might be, like to, you know, go for a walk, right? go to a park, do, do whatever you need to do. Um, I, 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 when I, I just, the numbers are extremely high. I'm, and I personally, I'm starting to get worried and I'm worried not just for, I, at one point I was worried mostly about other people. I'm worried about myself too. I do not want to, uh, be affected by something, you know, that could potentially have long-term effects. I'm a pretty fit, healthy guy, but even fit, healthy guys are having long-term effects. Sure. Um, from from COVID and and it's just and the the healthcare system is being overwhelmed. Uh, when this with you know these these amount of doctors that are speaking out about it, um, I just think that we should be doing everything possible uh, to to shut her down, man. And um, and then and then and then the government the government you know needs to do something to support the people that are being affected financially by that, of course. But I have a hard time. I really have a hard time with people whining that they don't get to play their beer league hockey or 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 beach volleyball. I, I got a real I got a real hard time with that one. Well, especially when when you look at the the sacrifices that, that other people are having to make that, that are much yeah. bigger than that for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. um it's apples and oranges really. I, I went to the gym yesterday, Steve, the first time under quote code red. My yeah. gym normally has a capacity of 250. It can now uh, take in 62 is what they're capping it at. They actually have the app has what's called a crowd meter. So before you even go, you can see how high or low the capacity is and I guess decide whether you even want to drive there and go. I went there yesterday afternoon. I'm on holidays this week. There are maybe 30 people in the whole gym. Um, and the, the other new rule is that you have to wear your mask every second you are in the premises. It used to be that you you could take it off once you got to your machine or whatever. Now you have to wear it. And I must say, my workout yesterday, I did 30 minutes of cardio. Uh, it was tough wearing a mask the whole time to the point that I left there thinking, I don't know if I want to go back uh, at least as much as I had been. I'm going to take advantage of this nice weather and just do a little more outdoors uh, until we go back to normal. I'm going to send you a couple of links, Mike, to a couple of action, couple of workouts you can do in your basement. They're 30 minutes long. They're uh, you don't you you just need a pair of dumbbells and you'll be fit as a fiddle. <laughs> Perfect. You can be my <laughs> virtual personal trainer, Steve. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've transitioned to uh, home work, working out since the pandemic started, and I can I can honestly say I'm in better shape now than I was when I was going to the gym, and my trainer will attest to that. Um, I just, the mask thing also, like, it's not foolproof. I, I see people, you know, I see people in the grocery store, and I go to the grocery store at 7 a.m. Uh, I see people in the grocery store coughing, and thinking because they have a mask on, they don't need to cover their mouth. So it's the same thing when you're working out, man. Like, uh, I get that people have masks on, but uh, there's stuff coming through that mask. All right, we're back from the overtime uh, session of our Jet Center podcast. Mike, I guess it would be kind of the elephant in the room if we just at least touch on the, uh, the U.S. election. Um, you, you, you texted me yesterday or emailed me yesterday, I think, saying that, you were going to be glued to the TV last night, uh, election night, 
Uh, I, had a, um, I had a chat, I had a Zoom chat actually with our former columnist, Paul Wiesick, this week. Um, we spent uh, an hour or so chatting and catching up, and he was telling me he was going to be glued to the set. And the reason he gave for wanting to be glued to the set last night was because he wanted to, like, revel in the humiliation of oh. Donald <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So Paul Paul would have had a rough night last night then. Yeah, I texted him at one point. I I, um, I watched for a little bit. I found an app. I don't have cable, so I had to find an app. I found the, an NBC app, and I said, you can watch it. It was on. Found. So um, I watched a little bit of it, and I I could clearly see that a that wasn't going to happen, and b that it wasn't going to be decided last night. So I switched and watched an episode of Downton Abbey instead. <laughs> We're <laughs> way more drama, and um, so um, what, did you watch all night long? Like, did you? Oh, I did. I uh, I did, and I was still watching it two this morning, Steve. And then I finally pried myself away when it was painfully obvious that there was going to be no finality. Uh, no, nobody was going to be calling the election last night. Just like, but it's we're likely not getting the election called today either. Uh, in fact. This thing could drag on uh, with all these mail-in ballots and and the delays in counting them. Like, they're saying Pennsylvania and Nevada might not even have their votes counted until Friday. And then the other thing, Steve, is the final tally, not just in individual states, but probably the global tally, is going to be so tight that this thing could get tied up in the courts now for a while. Uh, recounts and legal challenges. Uh, I mean, in a way, it's kind of, I guess, exactly what we should have expected in the year 2020. Like, no clarity, more more controversy, more arguments. This thing's not getting settled anytime soon. Uh, has anyone checked, Steve, on, on how... Bobby Orr and Jack Nicholas know we're feeling today. I, no, I haven't. I, I, I don't. I don't follow them on Twitter. I, I barely follow anybody on Twitter. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it was interesting. You know what I found. I'm gonna again back to the journalists. Um, I've been a little. The journalists missed the mark here again. Like four years ago, the American journalism people, let's call that, um, really missed the missed that Trump was going to win this and and surprisingly the pollsters and the journalists again have missed it again like it's just I find it kind of surprising the hand wringing and the hand wringing from journalists I'm again not crazy about um, man oh man oh man like I, I'm not listen I'm not a Trump fan I, I'm not please don't get me wrong here um, but um, I, I I find it just a little odd that's all. Yeah, of course, the coverage can really vary depending on which network you're watching. Um, I admit, I, I and this has nothing to do with with my own personal leanings. I just like watching John King of CNN at his magic board, as they call it. Like he's, it's like the world's biggest iPad, and his he's quite something to watch the way he navigates the board and he can break down like he can zoom in on a state and then look at every district kind of within a state and the up-to-date vote like i love that kind of stuff 
these guys are worse than baseball stats. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, there is like the analytics of it really is what it came down to. So I was watching CNN last night, but I also flipped over to Fox at some points because I wanted to see like, what does this sound like over there? And my goodness, like <laughs> the, the tone on say CNN versus Fox, if you didn't know anything about the candidates, you would watch those two broadcasts and think that they were covering a different election, uh, which again, I guess, speaks to just the partisanship and uh, yeah, the partisanship of the media in America. And frankly, something that in Canada as well or whatever is 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 it's disconcerting to me, you know, at times. Um, and I think that I think that people don't like to be told they're stupid for believing something that they believe, whatever it is that they believe. I don't like being told no. I'm stupid for believing, for having a certain belief system, whatever that might be, right? Do you know what I mean? And I think that North American journalists need to stop doing that. Um, whatever that is, I far too often hear journalists thinking that they, they, they're way smarter than everybody else. And this is what you're supposed to believe. And if you don't believe it, you're stupid. Um, man, I think that there's recall to that. And Yeah, you know, journalism should, in, in my opinion, I think you would agree with this, Steve, journalism should never resemble the, the online comments or, or like your Twitter feed. But that's what journalism, it seems like, is going more and more towards like well, you kind pick of, a kettle sort of doing yeah, yeah exactly it's uh, so yeah i mean i'm uh, i'm still watching today and like i said i don't know that we're going to get any kind of call today fortunately i i have other things to distract me being on holidays this week you mentioned steve about the kettlebells and working out in my basement uh i can't work out in my basement right now my basement is a disaster zone from the work that i've been putting in the last few days um we're kind of renovating the whole basement i'm building a, a home office down there i'm painting I'm actually going to the paint store later this afternoon to go pick out the color uh, with my wife that we're going to paint so yeah it's a uh, it's a work in progress down there but uh, hopefully by weekend or maybe early next week uh, when we start to put things back, uh, I, I might just be able to do a workout in my, ba- in my fancy new basement, uh, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'll send you a couple links, Mike. So, so, swear to goodness, like, um, uh, I, I, I do about a 35-minute metabolic workout that just is killer. It's, it's as tough as anything that I've ever done in a gym. So I'll send you, I'll send you some links. Anyway, Sounds good. Like, for the rest of your uh, vacation, buddy, and uh, uh, will we chat next week, or are we going to take a uh, We're going to take a, yeah, because next Wednesday is actually Remembrance Day, November 11th, so uh, we'll be back on the 18th, two weeks from now, and maybe by then, Steve, be back to work, for, uh, holidays are done, but maybe by the 18th, we'll have a sense of what the NHL season will look like. I suspect we'll be a lot closer to an answer by then. I thought you were saying we could. Oh, well, we might know who the president is, too, or we might not. Uh, that's up in the air.